We are back in action, the Talking Bollocks podcast. This is number 26, I think it is, because we've slacked off a bit lately, but we've all been busy. Carson is not with us today, but he does send his, send his regards, because he obviously listens, to Matt Miazga at Chelsea, who made his debut today. There, today. It was yesterday, wasn't it? And they, somewhat, Another team that beat Villa. Uh, the other usual candidates, Mez, Poiser and Rogers, are with us, so we're just going to jump in with, and try and save Chris Bryce's sanity on a Tuesday morning. Yep. I, I thought about this in the week, and the first thing I want to kick us off to talk about is, because obviously we're going to talk about the games as we go, is poor old Gary Neville, who I think... Poor old Gary Neville is a term I never thought I'd say when I used to kind of see him on Match of the Day spouting all kinds of gibberish and bashing his hand on his chest when he was playing for Manchester United. But to an extent, he had to be like that because he had to show that he was... Mr. Manchester United, but he's actually won so many plaudits on Sky, I think everyone was hoping that he'd do really well, and it just really hasn't happened for him, has it? No. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up, whoever said that. <laughs> uh, do we know how many games he was actually in charge for? Uh, he was in charge of about 18 league games, Um he also managed to get them knocked out of the Champions League, admittedly not his complete fault, and he managed to get them knocked out of the Europa League. That was his complete fault. Yeah, he was <laughs> in charge for all of those. I was just looking at his results. He only won three games in the league. Three. So he was. So 18 games in total, was it? So let's. So about what? 12? Sorry, he had 16, 16 league games in charge. He won three. He drew. Five and lost eight. Well, it's Aston Villa form, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but with him, there was an interesting thing the other day where someone was talking about it, where he actually was quite unlucky as well, I reckon, because there was about four or five games where they went through and, like, he should have had a penalty because there was a handball. He should have had this, he should, that should have happened, this should have happened, and, like... That's the fine difference, isn't it, between successful and unsuccessful? Yeah, but every every game has that. You could look at that from yeah. both sides of the yeah. story. I mean, Neville never went ten games without winning in the league. That's not like, down to luck. You can't be unlucky ten games in a row. That's a Pardew-style excuse, that is. It's down to luck. Mm. The hardest thing I feel for Gary Neville is the fact that the moment he was fired, he became the favourite for Aston Villa. <laughs> To be fair, oh, with my football manager CV, I'm surprised I'm not a favourite for the Aston Villa job. <laughs> <laughs> I think anyone could be, but... My Schalke team have gone down in history. So, uh, Gary Neville, just working out the points, Gary Neville's um, uh, period in charge of Valencia, he only got two points less than Aston Villa's whole season. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's the man for Aston Villa. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's... Next week, it's most likely going to be official that Villa are gone. But aren't they? Are they officially the worst team ever in the Premier League? No, for, no, Derby are, aren't they? They've got more. But let's not than look at points. Don't look at points. Yeah, that's not important in a league season. Why would you look at points? <laughs> you saw, you saw <laughs> what I mean in terms of Derby. Derby were a team. They were a poor, poor team. Villa, that team is full of good players. No, they're not. Uh, no, they're not. But you have to judge it on points, Poiser. Otherwise, you're judging it on opinion, and everyone's going to have a different one. 
But when you've got Mika Richard, Jolien Lescott, people like this that are t- were top players... <laughs> you've used two old. horrible examples and then you finished it with people like this. <laughs> but they, Mika Richards and Jolien Lescott and Mika Richards have both played Champions League football and won league titles, haven't they? Anderson has won uh, league titles and played Champions League football. Yeah, I think the point they weren't key in those championship wins, were they? they? I mean, Mika Richards was very much a fringe player at Manchester City for for a few years. And, I mean, Lescott, I mean, did he have one one season when he was when he was he started? The majority, you're you're going to say something silly. He um, <laughs> he played he played the majority of games in the season they won the league. The first time, despite the fact he made a horrible error in the last game. Uh, which nearly cost him the title. He did play the majority of games that season. So what we're saying is, despite his, despite Lescott's best efforts, they still won the league. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> I think the problem with Remy Gard, though, when he was there, is because he turned around with Villa and he said, in one match, he went, the problem is we're just lacking experience as a team. I love that phrase when, that he turned around and said, but what, lacking experience as a team... Well, when you've got Gabriel Bongohor, you've got Lescott, you've got Richards, you've got Brad Goods, and people that have been in that club for quite a few years. Well, lucky for them, they get to play a lot more games in the Championship, so they can get to know each other really well. <laughs> I, the problem was is that Remy Gard was completely the wrong choice. Um, they knew what situation they were in. Why didn't they get somebody that you know could actually steady the ship? I mean... To well, get one that's unproven on, at the Premiership is... Well, they thought he was going to be that steadying influence, but I don't understand why anybody would have taken that job. Well, he was recommended for the position to Tom Fox by Arsene Wenger, and then Arsene Wenger recommended Remy Gard it would be a perfect opportunity to get into the Premier League. Even when we're talking about Aston Villa, Poirier managed to shoehorn a dig at Arsenal. It's that, no, tremendous, no, isn't no, it? No, that's He's got nothing else in his life. <laughs> that's the facts of what did happen, and... There's nothing against Wenger. Remy Gard potentially is a very good manager, but it was just a long time in the club for him. So going back to what Mez was saying, you basically want them to to uh, employ the safety net that is Tony Pulis. Pulis, <laughs> Allardyce. <laughs> Allardyce was available at the time. Any of the above. Both, both good options. <laughs> well, you play horrible but, football, but you stay in the yeah, Premiership. Horrible football, but at least you keep your Premier League status. I mean. How much money are they going to lose from the new TV deal by going down? Yeah, exactly. Would you rather be in the Championship or be in the Premier League and play four centre-backs, four defensive midfielders, a winger and a striker? Surely you'd rather be in the Premier League. Uh, That's a tough one. Because as a fan, you'd rather be in the Premier League where there's an actual chance you're going to get to see them regularly on TV to start off with. Yeah but, yeah, but the times that it is on TV, you won't want to watch TV because it'll be so horrible to watch. So, yeah, so what do you do? I don't know. I think the answer is none of us know, but we all think that Villa are awful. Uh, it's, there's, you see, there was the protest this week about uh, fans worried about the future of the club because the history was so big. I think that doesn't come into it at all. You need your best 20 teams in the Premier League and Villa have been dire, so they don't deserve to be in the Premier League, regardless of how many years ago they won a European Cup. Well, you think that the fans, then they were unhappy that the team wasn't progressing when they were under Martin O'Neill, when they finished sixth, three seasons in a row, and they were, fans were kicking off because there wasn't that progression and they weren't going for Champions League. So they got rid of Martin O'Neill, and from there it all went down. 
every year they've gone worse and worse and worse, and now they're relegated. Well, that was a really odd one because Martin O'Neill kicked off, didn't he, and left because he wasn't being given any money. But weren't they selling their best player every year as well, like consistently? Yeah, Randy Lerner, the owner, is the one that is responsible primarily for Villa's downfall because he's the one that's not invested in the club and has sanctioned that their best players can be sold off every year. Doesn't most clubs outside of the top six clubs sell both of their best players most years? Let's be honest. Here's a a tidbit for you. One of these best players we're talking about was James Milner. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm sure he kept it solid. Yeah. Yeah. There's James Milner, Fabian Delph. The Snake. (laughs) Teke Wen. Gareth Barry. Ashley Young. Barry Young. And many Downing. others. Downing? Yeah, Downing. It just goes on and on. There's just so many players that they've lost that <clears throat> would actually be a good team now. So there's... I was talking to a uh, guy at work who's a Villa fan, and he said, you know times are bad when you um, regret not having Deadly Doug Ellis up there. But he also said that he thinks that the club is in so much turmoil that there's, they're not going to be a yo-yo club. It's a bounce down and then have a huge clear out, possibly even drop down another one. Whether he's just in the, the grips of facing the <laughs> facts that Villa are going out the top flight, I don't know. But for him well, to be worried about that and being a Villa fan, it's, it's I'm just I'm going to put a bet on at the start of the season of Villa to get relegated and then I'm going to put the other bet on and you're going to sound like I'm a madman that Leicester get that relegated, but that's a different subject. Yeah, get good odds on it. Well, can we just... Jump on to the Leicester thing for a minute because do you remember in November when I wrote an article for the website and I was adamant that Leicester weren't going to win the league? And then I wrote a follow up in January and said, Yeah, I was right, the momentum's coming, coming to the stop now. And now we're what six games away from the end and they're seven points clear, so it turns out I don't know anything about football. <laughs> Well, they still got they still, they still, they still got six <laughs> games left to prove you right. Yeah, but I don't. They only need to win two, don't they? Now four. They've got they only need to, four. They ain't got to win four games. I think they only need to win. Is it three, two, or three? I think it's three. I think they needed at the start of this weekend. They only needed four more wins. Right. Well, so they've I got Sunderland next week, haven't they? I mean, they're gonna they're gonna trip up. They can't keep getting these one 0 wins, can they? Surely, they're not Everton. I can see them doing it. I can see that they're going to do it because they've got, like I said, they've got Everton, Sunderland, United, and Chelsea. And there's one of the two I can't remember who it is now. But I can't. That so that Chelsea game, that's game of the season. Chelsea have nothing to play for. Everton have nothing to play for. United, that could be a tough one because United could be fighting for the top four, but with United at the moment, it could be easy for Leicester. I think they're going to do it, you know, and I think they will do it before them last three games at the end of the season. How weird would it be, though, if they were crowned champions at Chelsea? That would be bizarre. I think they will do it at the United game. So they've got, this is their fixture. So they play Sunderland, then they play West Ham, then they play Swansea, United, Everton, Chelsea. So let's assume that they beat Sunderland. Let's assume that they beat Swansea. Who are the others? Everton, United, Chelsea. Yeah, so if they beat Sunderland and Swansea, they need to win one more game and they're champions. Okay, out of what were the other games, sorry? West Ham, United, Everton, Chelsea. 
It's not an easy game there. And it really annoys me, actually, when pundits and things look at the run-ins for teams and say they've got the easiest run-in. That's a load of tosh. Everybody plays everybody. So I really hate that they put it down to having a run-in when really they've played the same teams as everybody else over the season. I yeah. think at the end of the season, it can make a difference in terms of, like I said, they were Chelsea and Everton when they've got nothing to play for. Where well, the players I disagree. might be in the mode of going, well, I'm on the beach in six weeks, I can't be bothered with this. Well, that comes down to individual player motivation and you'd hope and that they're many, being yeah, professional. How many players towards but, the end of this season are going to be going, I'm, we've got nothing left to play for, I'm not going to push myself because I want to be fit for the Euros? Well, maybe that'll come into it, but again, you just have to hope that they're going to be professional and do what they're paid to do. But with regards to the run-ins, there's all this talk about like when Liverpool came really close, like Leicester are doing it now, they all say we're just taking it one game at a time. So a run-in doesn't really matter when they use that cliche of saying every game's a cup final. Yeah, I agree. I was just looking at Man United's run-in, and to go against what you're saying, <laughs> it, does look, it does look pretty easy, because if I read out these teams, after the Tottenham game, we've got... Aston Villa, who are Palace. potentially relegated. Palace, yeah. who, are Palace who are struggling. Norwich, who are down there as well. And Leicester. You're thinking, oh, Leicester. That'd be an easy game. Oh, wait a minute. No, they're potential champions. But that's the flip side, though. Like, the, at this stage of the season now, you could also say, well, the Norwich games and the Palace games, exactly like you said, they're down there. But doesn't that mean that they should be tough? Because they should be really throwing everything at it to stay up. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. That's, that's, why, a... I, that's why Sorry. I think Leicester's is quite a nice run-in, because... They've got Sunderland, which are fighting for that champion, the relegation. But then other than that, they've only got United, who are really playing for anything. Well, it's like you said, though, isn't it? The points don't really matter, so let's just decide who we want to win the league and give it to them. <laughs> Absolutely. I'd love to do that. <laughs> Did anybody see the Manchester United-Everton game today? Because I caught the last half an hour, and that was bad. And I got the impression that the first hour was just as bad. Um, I think you summed it up quite well. Yeah. Do we need to say any more on that? Is it Van Gaal there again next season? I, I, I doubt he'll be there next season. I mean, Ed Woodward was on the pitch today looking that, clueless. That, or is that a hope? Is he going to take over? <laughs> I just hope he's got someone in mind to take over. Remy Gard's knocking around. Gary Neville's knocking around now as well. Yeah. yeah. Get those two nutters that run Salford City. <laughs> but the problem is, if at the end of this season, if Van Gaal wins the FA Cup and top four, should he go? Well, yeah, there's a question. Rogers, I... you, you decided four months ago you wanted him to go, so I don't know if we need to throw to you for that one. But for me, I think that if he's already decided, because it's already been decided that he's going the year after anyway, he's going to retire the year after when his contract ends, he's already said that. So, if he wants to, then I think a change in the summer would be good because the fans aren't behind him. And if he wins an FA Cup and comes forth, go out on a high and don't let his sort of legacy at United be soiled. I think you've just answered your own question with the first sentence where you said he said he's going to do one more year and then retire. He, I assume he'll stick with that. In the same way that Wenger has already come out and said, much to Mez's annoyance, that he's going to stay next year as well because that's what his contract is. I think it's going to... If he's going to re- well, if it was me and I was in that position and I'd had one more year until I was going to retire, I would stay unless they're going to sack me, in which case I would take the payoff and then go and live somewhere warm. Well, not too warm, and my dog's got a thick coat, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's a hard one for him, though, because 
As a United fan, I would love to see a young and passionate manager coming in. But if he wins it, then he has, we have no right to tell him to go. Well, you do, because the foot, the standard of football is horrible, isn't it? It's, like, it's, a, it's almost a flip of what Roger said. Uh, do you want to get relegated and play nice football, or do you want to stay up and play horrible football? In your case, do you want to fight for... 6th, 5th or 4th but play not nice football or do you want to gamble on somebody that's going to play nice football and maybe drop back down again and go through, go through another rebuilding phase but if we're going to bring in the favourite which is Jose Mourinho the f- football's not going to improve that much is it no he's not re- not renowned for playing attractive football is he no and to be honest I'm starting to wonder if he is actually going to come in you know well, unless you're Carson, who amazingly fell for an April Fool's joke about Mourinho being the new Nigeria manager. Rogers, <laughs> what would you rather? Van Gaal for another year and you get fourth, or Mourinho, someone else like that, comes in and you have another year where they say, oh, we're, it's another transition year of rebuilding? Um, I've got to say that Van Gaal has done well to bring through the young players, because we've got a lot of young uh, okay, okay. Well, pause there. Pause there. Is okay. that through choice or is that through necessity? It's probably through necessity because we had such a bad um, injury, oh, had such whoa. bad injury problems. Yeah, well, I, and I think here because he is renowned for it for his whole career, but developing youth players. Yeah, and he has given them, and he has given the the players a chance. For instance, um, he could have gone back to dropping. Rashford the other week against Man City and he stuck with him so he he has got that uh, belief in these players yeah Pat just as a side note but, to that Daley Blind I think is injured today as well yeah so we'll have old Fosu Mensa centre back or Carrick Carrick was awful today by the way I just thought I'd throw that where did he there. play Carrick was centre midfield but oh. I, I, I haven't seen him play that badly in a long time really yeah is how, do you think he's well his contract's up this year anyway, so and he's thirty-five, I think now. So I can't I, imagine they're sure. going to give him another one. No, I think yeah, he's, he's going to go. Finished. Do you think he's going to be always underrated by fans, whereas the players that played with him thought he was class? Yes, I think when Carrick was at his best, he was missed by England. England should have played him, and he was very underrated at Man United. Well, he I think. Had, the he only... did have trouble controlling, I would say, the biggest games. You could hold that against him. Um, but mo- the, most of the time, he was one of our key players. Because he was a massive money signing from Tottenham, wasn't he? And even at the time, it was kind of, oh, Tottenham have done a great deal. They've got us over and above for him. But he's been a real like consistent for United, hasn't he? We just need to look at all the trophies he's won. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. a centre midfield of that team that's won all those trophies. So yeah. he must be doing he's something the right. of it, really. Yeah. If Ferguson keeps picking you, then you know you're doing something right. Yeah. So what are uh, your... Sorry, answer the question. Yeah, uh, but having said all that, I would love to take Mourinho just to see what would happen. <laughs> Do you I want know, the, I know that's the chaos club, theory where you see what sticks yeah. when you throw it at the wall? <laughs> I know that's my club, and I, like, I'm hopeful that we've got enough of a stable uh, behind the scenes to make sure it doesn't go too bad, but it would be interesting to see what happens. Would you take gigs in charge? Happens. Sorry, I didn't hear that. Did you say something? Uh, would you take gigs in charge? I mean, that would be quite fun as well, but I don't think you're ready for it. <laughs> I ask, there's a question on gigs that I asked a couple of people the other day. 
what right does Giggs have to be the next Man United manager in terms of he's not proven what he can do or anything? He needs to go away, manage a club and show what he can do. Just, Just like, like Gary Neville. <laughs> yeah. He's the current assistant manager and has been for a while. So it goes either way. Do you say, well, he's getting experience that way? Or do you say that actually it's his input which is making things so bad? Well, let's put it this way. United have this great history of having successful assistant managers going to managers, don't they? I mean, Steve McLaren. Um, you've got... Um, Please say his name. name now, the Portuguese guy. Yeah, I want you to pronounce his name. Carlos. Quérez. <laughs> Good enough. <laughs> and um, Mike Phelan. None yep. of them have become great managers, have they? They've all failed as managers. Well, McLaren got Borough to a UEFA Cup final and he did well at FC Twente and then after that it all went catastrophically wrong. I think the England job ruined McLaren. He bounced back a little bit with FC Twente and then he kind of fell into old habits. Mike, uh, Mike Phelan was almost like a, a hot commodity, wasn't he, when he left? Yeah, but name an assistant manager that's gone really well into being a manager. To be fair, boys, you are right, because Brian Kidd is another one you could add to that list. He went and tried yeah. to have a go at Blackburn, and they ended up getting relegated. So, Where is Brian Kidd now? Is he back at City? He's at City, yeah. Sitting on the bench with Richard Wright. <laughs> but can anyone name an assistant manager who's gone on to be a successful manager on his own right? Off the top of my head, no, but I imagine, I imagine there's probably some amazing ones. There's the, I mean, you've got uh, another Barcelona example this guy. year. The manager of Derby this year, Paul Clement. Went from being an assistant manager by Munich to Derby County, failed. It was Real Madrid. No, it wasn't. It was Bayern Munich. No, it was Real Madrid. Sorry, he would have been Bayern Munich <laughs> next year, wouldn't he, if he joined him? Yeah, sorry. Because I'm thinking where he is going. Um, but but the, the guy who followed Guardiola, the assistant um, who died of cancer. Tito Villanova? Yeah, he, he was one who went from assistant to manager and did well. But then again, he did have one of the best teams ever. Yeah. I think I could have managed that team with, <laughs> with or without my football manager pedigree. Yeah. Whilst we're talking about United, do I if I just talk about something about top four in general? Because it does relate to United quite nicely. You don't need to ask permission, you just go for it, Johnny Poyser. This could be the first year ever in Premier League history there is no club for Manchester in the top three. Wow. Ever. That um, just shows you, I think, the power of Manchester for football in terms and how it's changing. I think, I think it shows you how successful Manchester United has been. <laughs> it doesn't say much about City because they only sort of came around 2008. <laughs> but there's always been a team in the top three from Manchester. For 26 years, whatever it is. Yeah. So for the previous, so for the 18 before 2008. <laughs> it was Man United. <laughs> <laughs> Do we think that... Um, sorry, Poise, just jumping across you. Talking about top four and Man City, do we think that the biggest issue they've had has been the announcement of Guardiola coming in? I just think, yeah, that's got to be, because how many of them players... Someone like Yaya Torre is going, well, I'm out of here in the summer. Can I really be bothered anymore? Not really. <laughs> I like how Yaya Torre answers his own questions. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Surely, no, but surely if you're a player, like, and there's a new manager coming in, and you've got a six-month period to almost make yourself so, you know, unsellable to the, you know, in the eyes of the, the board and, and the fans, um, surely you would take every opportunity. Well, wasn't I mean, it, was it Guardiola that like, sold you know, him? Like, Dima, Dima Chalice, 
hasn't done that. Like, he's been awful. But surely you think to yourself, well, Guardiola's coming in. Undoubtedly, there's going to be change. Well, if, um, the, if, if the rumours are true about Demichelis, things are going to get a lot worse with this match betting. But wasn't it Guardiola who sold Yaya Torre in the first place when he was at Barcelona? Yeah. Well, maybe there's a history there then. And that's exactly why I think he doesn't care. And then you've got all this speculation with Joe Hart, that is Joe Hart going to be his number one choice when he doesn't like a player that can't really play with his feet, which Joe Hart can't. And then you get Roy Hodgson this week saying England goalkeepers aren't great at playing with their feet and don't really compete with the rest of the world standard. Like, oh, great. Just stab your own goalkeeper in the back there. Yeah. What do we? I just want to quickly touch on that. What do we think of the two England friendlies, by the way? We looked, I thought, for the most part... We looked full of life and full of energy. Like it looked really positive. That's the best I've seen England play, and it's and it's the most enjoyable I've seen England play. Uh, I've got to admit, a lot of the time when I watch England play, it is it is a tough watch because wait 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 play good football. Wasn't it just fifteen or twenty episodes ago when you said that watching England was one of the worst things you could do? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. It is one of the worst things you can do. But I'm saying that in those You're two friendlies, we actually played good football. Do we think that comes down to picking players that are in form and not players that are a name? Yes. And this isn't a dig at Rooney because he's going to go to the Euros. He's going to start. You're not made England captain to sit on the bench, are you? Um, I'm I just watching Sky Sports News actually, and I didn't I realise that they've uh, just as a quick jumping across. It's flashed up now that today they revealed the Bobby Charlton stand. Yes, that's yeah. a really nice touch. Sorry, go on. Talking uh, about England, I don't think Rooney will start for England, but I think he will go. But you don't, you need players like Rooney in your squad for definite to win a Euros or even to do well. Why is that? Because you need depth. Okay, so you're so players, you're taking so you're going to take Rooney as a striker or as a midfielder. I think he's a versatile player. Can play either because and that's the beauty of him. He can even go in goal at some point. Because <laughs> <laughs> barring injury, surely up top you're going to take Sturridge, Kane, Vardy, Welbeck, and then Rooney is your fifth. Yeah, but the no, problem is, Rooney, they're all the same sort of style of player, aren't they? No, I'd say that Sturridge offers something completely different. Vardy is just boot the ball over the top and he'll chase it. Harry Kane, to be fair, if anyone... Yeah, I'm, I'm a man that has to play football without any pace. Harry Kane just shows... Oh, someone's rustling around. Harry Kane shows a perfect example of how to be really functional without a whole lot of pace. It's really nice to see. He has got to be our first choice, centre forward, no matter what. It'll be Rooney and Kane up front. I don't think it will. I, I, I don't think you can shoehorn someone into the team when you're playing well. Yeah. And I don't think, even even if he is captain, Gary Neville was captain of Man United for years and he didn't start. <laughs> you remember that really awful game where he was, was it like half time he was subbed off when he should have been sent off and he pretty much retired straight after yeah. that? Was that <laughs> he Stoke? Said, <laughs> he said that's the, that's the game that made him realise that he'd had enough. <laughs> so, with England though, there, there's this whole thing going on about Jack Wiltshire. Now, I'm sorry, he should not be going to the Euros. Why is that? Because if you were one of them other players that's played that se- the whole season, you've got England qualified for the Euros, and then Jack Wilshire, who hasn't even played a minute of Premier League football, goes, I'm suddenly fit again to play, goes and then breaks down injured in the first game of the tournament, like he always does, 
How are you going to feel about that? Okay, so if let's say he returns in Arsenal's next game, plays the rest of the season, plays really well, is back to match fitness, you wouldn't take him. I don't think he's going to come back until. I don't think he'll come back at all. Yeah, that's no, not no, that's, that's, you, that's not the question. If he comes back in the next game and plays ninety minutes every game and plays well, then he deserves to go. But he has to come back next week, I would say. Any later, no, he shouldn't be going. Rogers, what are your thoughts on that? I think it would be to the detriment of England not to have Jack Wilshere there. I like he hasn't played any games this season, so the likelihood is he's not going to be fit enough to play the Euros. It's like Luke Shaw's back in training now, but he's probably not going to be back in time for the Euros either. Two really, really good players, but they're just not going to be ready to play. You know what? I completely forgot Luke Shaw existed. Honestly. <laughs> How many half-fit players are we going to take to the Euros? Mm. Rooney's not going to be fully match-fit. Sturridge probably isn't. Sterling probably isn't. Wilkshire probably isn't. You can't carry a team of injured players. Well, it wouldn't be a, a, a team of or injured even players, would it? players, sorry, is what I mean. Well, it would be... And no much as it's training, you can get fit in training, but it's completely different to match fitness, isn't it? Yeah, I agree with you there, but there's still, what, six games of the season left. So Rooney, well, he's an imminent return, isn't he? Sturridge is back playing. Sterling, I don't know how long he's out for. He'll return the last game of the season, they reckon. Who's that? Sterling. Okay, well, Sterling's going to go, regardless, just because if he comes on for the last... 20 minutes to run a, I know it's and again like another cliche but imagine bringing on Vardy and Sterling with 20 minutes to go when you're 1-0 down and I would always even now take Sterling over Walcott and that's the yeah. other option yeah. isn't it I, I think it's Sterling or Walcott you can't take both of them absolutely I think Walcott well let's be honest he went to World Cup he shouldn't have gone to so it's just he just his career started four years earlier than it should have done when it comes to international tournaments he peaked at his first tournament when he was 16 and didn't play. Yeah. <laughs> uh, time has skipped away from us. Poiser, can you finish us off with a story? Yes, it's a real harsh one, I'm afraid, Aston Villa fans, because you're not going to like this one. But there was in the April Fool's comment about Aston Villa. And the Aston Villa board on Twitter, or whoever's in charge of Twitter, decided to put an a-, a tweet out for an April Fool's. That they're going to start charging fans who want to leave the stadium early. <laughs> that is a fantastic way of misreading your fan base, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but the thing is, as an Aston Villa fan, you're probably sitting there going, they're probably actually thinking about doing that. <laughs> the bloggers are actually probably going to sit there and think that's a brilliant idea. Oh, that's fantastic. That's fine to leave the stadium. Oh, I really wish I'd thought of that. Right, folks, we are going to charge you to finish this podcast. That's all from us. Uh, don't forget, you can check us out at TalkingBorlocks.co.uk, uh, TalkingBorlocks on Facebook, and we are at TalkingBorlocks on Twitter. It's very good to be back recording and listening to Poiser spout his nonsense. And not too much negative mez this week, which was nice. Have a nice week, and we'll speak to you again soon.